friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris Rogers and I am your host. And in today's podcast, we have an interview. And it's an interview with Pastor Youngman uh, from the church in Hong Kong. Pastor Youngman is a phenomenal um, church elder from Hong Kong. And he's going to share with us a little bit about the life of the church in Hong Kong. A few years ago, I got to go to Lebanon with Open Doors. And as a part of that trip, I met this incredible group of pastors from Hong Kong. They shared with me a little bit about what it was like to be a Christian there. So this interview is essentially, what is it like being a Christian in Hong Kong? But we end up talking about um, the conflict often between a Jesus culture and the culture that we're, the world that we live in. And Paul writes about this uh, in the uh, epistles. He talks about... Uh, some of you think Caesar is Lord, but actually Jesus is Lord. And there are those in this world that think that they have lordship and rulership over us. But actually we sit under the lordship and rulership of Jesus Christ. Uh, so we talk about what's it like living in a society that is incredibly uh, controlling. Uh, so I think it's really helpful for us. It's really helpful for us as Christians to know what's it like for brothers and sisters in other parts of the planet uh, to be a devoted follower of Jesus. What's it look like? Uh, because Christianity is not the same absolutely everywhere. So friends, I, find, I hope you found this really helpful interview with Pastor Youngman from, from Hong Kong. Uh, please do pray for them and their work there. But friends, here we go. An interview uh, with Pastor Youngman. Welcome to Making Disciples. Thank you so much for taking your time to be with us today. I really appreciate it. I'm thankful, yes. So you're in Hong Kong? Tell I'm us. in Hong Kong in Kowloon, near the old airport. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what life is like right now for you in Hong Kong. Well, in terms of our daily living, of course, we have undergone about, well, that close to a year now of uh, these disruptions of uh, normalcy, uh, the rule of law. And uh, other than that, life before the corona shut down is just business as usual for many, except for those who are involved in the protest. And in general, I think the political climate is getting worse every day. We have never been such a politicized city. Uh, Hong Kong people are never known to be truly political, but uh, we cannot avoid the issue, and nor the Chinese Christians here. And so a lot to reflect upon, a lot to learn, but life at large, in terms of food supply, in terms of daily living, well, you can say that Nothing much has changed, but then we are geared towards a downturn in so many ways in the freedoms that we have used to enjoy and even economically, I think, all are going to suffer, both because of the political and the coronavirus influence. Walk us through the political situation, because I think for us, it's okay. not always easy to understand quite what is the the issues that you're facing, but they are they are big issues you're facing. So, do you want to just explain to us what those look like? Well, for the general public, 
we do not want to see the disruption of or the denial of the two systems. We understand the so-called one country part. We respect it, even diplomacy, military, defense, etc. Those who we highly regard, people like me, people in my generation, I think, regard that as irrefutable. We accept it because we have stayed here under the joint declarations. But we fear that the two systems are virtually non-existent now or becoming totally non-existent and twisted. And we hate that. We don't like it. We don't like to be censored. We don't like people watching over our back. We don't like to see things becoming more like the CCP style. We, we love the mainlanders before, but now they have become rich and mighty and powerful as to destroy our two systems. And we don't like that. And I think that is the general sentiment uh, for those who are not pro-establishment. Uh, of course, those who are, they, they say it is okay to have only one system. It is okay when the mainland is so powerful and mighty and strong. And it is all right for us to, to be totally engulfed mm. in the mother, so to speak. But then for those who enjoy the freedoms that we have and who look at the sanctity of these rights, we feel very uncomfortable. Because never have we been truly owned by the mainlanders. We don't. Over uh, 150 years, we have been under British rule, which is true. But then uh, I think the cultural and the political atmospheres uh, are changing too much for us. And we, we feel that we are offended and we are neglected and we don't like it. Talk to me about, uh, so you mentioned uh, uh, the downward spiral of freedom, the loss of freedom. What is that looking yes. like for you as believers in the church? What does that look like? Well, Chris, you see, people don't talk about it much mm. in the church, not on the pulpit, not publicly. Mm. And worst is that we don't even voice these things among Christian believers, because there is this pietism, I think that has been so Im embedded inside that we feel that we are good for heaven, we're spiritual, yeah. and we are the light and salt of the world, whatever that means, meaning that you live a normal, a well-behaved life, and you don't talk about things that are sensitive and con con controversial. Mm. So, in, in, in a way, nothing has ever happened, either before 1997 or after. Yeah. As long as we enjoy open churches and everything is okay. Yeah. But then for those who are sensitive enough, they would say that, wait a second, if we have to be censored by, in our thoughts, in our speech, then these things are not good. If we are not able to stand up against injustice, yeah. then it is not good for us Christians. So we are struggling really 
to to come to terms with our own spiritual heritage, which is generally pietism, by and large, spiritual Bible-believing Christians just study the Bible, just preach the Bible, but don't you dare to apply it in a real given situation. Don't you dare speak up against police brutality. There is no such thing because you're only asked to be uh, obedient to the government because all that is, uh, all powers that be, they are from above and you should just keep quiet. If you don't do no wrong, nobody is going to, to, to interfere with you. But we, we, don't, we see otherwise. Sometimes even you do no wrong, you insist on your human rights, you, or you take part in so-called civil disobedience, which is a, totally a new concept among Christians, Chinese Christians here. Mm. Civil obedience, Martin Luther King, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, mm. are these guys on the liberal side? Are they bona fide Christians? Uh, is the gospel they're preaching the real gospel? Oh, come on. Don't go that way. Let us go back to our safe roots and the Lord will take care of all the rest. So and, that, and, that is the situation in, uh, in, in Hong Kong here. And my friends that I've been messaging with and uh, communicating yeah. with and been praying for, I've been talking about the fear they have as church pastors as they speak out. Uh, one friend of mine messaged me saying, please, would you just pray for the safety of our children and my wife? Because I'm worried that if we speak out, it will affect my family. Uh, and there are pastors who are wanting to speak out. What's the impact on them? On the pastors who speak out? families, yeah. Well, Chris, you may be running with the wrong crowd. <laughs> you should be running along with those high-flying, those who are secure, those yeah. who, who, who don't have to worry about their position. All, all they have to do is just uh, business as usual. But coming back to, to the real situation is that for younger pastors who are learning to, to observe what is civil disobedience, who are trying to implement what Lausanne Covenant talks about, uh, about social concern, who are influenced by Christopher Wright's writing or anti-rights, and the two rights may be wrong here, but people who have been influenced by them, they really do want to be involved. Yeah. And they have been threatened. Yeah. Uh, they have received message that threatened their lives, but maybe those who are faked anyway, it's just, uh, just but then they receive these things. And, and the, 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 the pressure that they face may not actually be from the government yet. Mm. Of course, they would be looking over this group of people now. But uh, first and foremost, these younger pastors, when they dare speak up, uh, be conscientious in their preaching. It is the church authority inside their local church, the board of deacons and elders that they have to face. Mm. They may lose their job. They may be gagged. Uh, not allowed to speak on certain topics. Even me, such a senior old guy, when I stand up to preach, just 
preaching from First and Second Timothy about the the glory of Christ, about our only loyalty as Christians, the supreme authority, the one and only supreme authority is Christ, is Lord. Mm. Meaning Christos, who is he? He is the king. What does that mean? And of course, without really going into details, I'm saying that there would be no second authority above Mm. our faith, above our religion. And of course, people who understand know that there are people who are saying that all religions only serve a certain purpose in a given kind of society. And I was reprimanded after that, saying, sir, would you please stay away, stay clear of political things? What have I been politicizing? Of course, I have been. Yeah. When in that given situation, you were saying that Christ... Paul, Paul <laughs> writes, uh, we're studying Thessalonians as a church right now, the opening line, Jesus, he says, Jesus is Lord, and that was Lord over Caesar. Um, exactly. And, uh, but the gospel was birthing. Just, so, just yeah. don't, don't want to hear the full gospel implication. Mm. Just say Jesus is Lord like a mantra, mm. but don't ever tell me that he is above Caesar. Don't ever tell me that you have to be fearless when you follow Christ. And when you face darkness, you have to be light. When you face injustice, you have to say, hey, do not oppress people. They are just saying that, okay, sing hallelujah, Jesus is Lord, but don't ever apply in that in any given situation. And Chris, let me tell you, recently I have dug up again a sermon some 15, 20 years ago. And of course, that was a sermon preached by G. Campbell Morgan. And as a Brit, I hope you guys do uh, know that there is such a prince of expositors, expository preaching. He did preach on righteousness and revenue based on Matthew 6, 24, that uh, either you serve the Lord or you just are... try to maintain your national pride, your national power by supporting the opium trade that hurts the Chinese so much. And G. Campbell Morgan says, I stand here by the power of God only as a minister of the gospel. But don't you say that I am preaching something political because when it comes to terms of, uh, comes to about righteousness or revenue, even a preacher need to dabble in diplomacy and politics. And I like that. I'm grateful. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. This is what we were teaching on at, at church just this week and these this coming months is that there are two cultures, the world's culture, which we live in, and then there's the Jesus culture. And we have to live by him. Uh, and we need to allow him to shape how we engage with the world and engage, uh, shape the world around us. Uh, and the gospel yeah. is loaded and political. Uh, it, you can't separate it from politics because if you live out Christ, then that living out of Christ is a is is politics. You know, politics meaning the affairs of the city. Um, could you tell me a little bit about? You mentioned it a minute ago, and I just want to come back to you. You talked about the police, police brutality, yes. and I've seen so much on friends' Facebooks and. 
um, it just looks horrific, uh, the police brutality. Do you want to just give us a picture of, of what's happening uh, there? It all started on the 12th of June. I was there before it erupted. Yeah. I went away. But in the afternoon, all the tear gas, all the 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 the, the scrapples and the, the the struggles there, and ever since then they have been increasing on on their power, on their brutality against peaceful demonstrators, yeah. even for those who have been throwing bricks or have been making roadblocks. From my perspective. I may be wrong, but from my perspective, these people are not truly armed rebels, mm. as they would like to portray them. Mm. They go back about five years ago from the Umbrella Movement, when these students, these peaceful demonstrators, they were insisting on a peaceful demonstration that if you want to disperse us, disperse us peacefully, or you carry us away, or you can arrest us. But then, of course, the crowd control tactics from the police point of view may be something that is truly alien to us. We don't know their professional way of handling things. But from a civilian point of view, I can only see that these people open their umbrellas to stop their pepper spray. Mm -hmm. I can see that these people use their um, um, umbrellas, uh, yes, as a weapon. But what kind of weapon can that be to a fully geared policeman? How much hurt can it be done yeah. versus your tear gas versus your batons versus your heavy boots versus when you try to tackle these people, peaceful people, you just tackle them to the ground and you put your knees against their neck and you pull their head backwards. I have seen them with my own eyes yeah. and I've seen them put pepper spray. I, I have been pepper sprayed just by standing be, be, beside a guy. And well, oh, let me go back. The, the umbrella movement, people use this uh, plastic wrap for, and, and then use these uh, goggles, mm. all just to protect themselves, not to attack the police. Yeah. But I know, from my point, I think the police have been frustrated ever since 2012 when they tried to quench the, the anti-brainwashing uh, education campaign. These young folks, they didn't even have umbrellas then. They were just demonstrating peacefully, but they were carried by the police on all fours and then sort of thrust to the ground and then with their face against the pavement. And these things have never stopped all these years. Mm. And who is doing anything to it? Mm. Yeah. My heart what goes up to these young people. So what we've seen is that there has been churches that have opened up their buildings to either yes. protect or just house the protesters. Um, why did they open up their buildings? What good was it opening their buildings? Uh, what's been the implications of opening up their buildings uh, for the protesters? Well, from what I know, I, I know these friends, some of them are my friends, and, and we who are uh, doing journalism, who are also going out to have pastoral caring, to, to prayer walk, joining the crowds, 
Of course, we also a part of the demonstration as a local citizen mm. honoring our own rights of freedom of speech under a legal, legally uh, endorsed demonstration. We go past the churches and we go use the bathroom. We go replenish ourselves with water, you know. And these churches are open to all. They are not saying we're just to, 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 to welcome the demonstrators. Yeah. So it is a kind of hospitality yeah. to the Hong Kong people. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you then, and please be honest, I would love you to be a mirror for me right now. How do you in Hong Kong see the church in the UK? What is your, what do you see and what would you like to say to the church in the UK? Well, I do not have direct relationships or networking like some people do, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't. I, I, I don't have this network. This is the first time through a, a friend of mine who say that, Chris, you're interested in knowing our story. So I just take this opportunity to share what is on my heart. Mm -hmm. But uh, how do I perceive, how do I look at the UK Christians? Well, I'm happy for you guys because still you have a very strong Christian cultural tradition mm. and we're happy for that and we pray that those things may not go away and may not be secularized mm. and personally I've been blessed I've been a personal interpreter for uh, Uncle John, John Stott yes, mm. and J.I. Packer and my own mentor is from Scotland, James Houston so I'm truly indebted to many UK evangelical, low Anglican, uh, Christian people. And, but I don't know. Uh, but I do hope that as UK uh, citizens, as a co-signatory for the Joint Declaration, as Christian people, as conscientious people, that you can call out those who are dishonoring the declaration, who are betraying the Hong Kong people. Uh, we were uh, given over to the mainland without our consent, mm. but then we were naively uh, optimistic, hoping that the mainland will change for the better, that they will be open, more open politically, but it is not so now. So I am calling upon the Christians not only to pray for us, but to use your all kinds of means to, to ask the, the other party uh, or to even to sanction those people in Hong Kong who are helping to destroy the two systems. Or, or anyway. No, it's great. That Thank you. I think my... My concern is that because we live in such a easy secular society that our faith in Jesus um, almost we become sleeping lions. My fear is yes. in the UK we are sleeping lions and we need to wake up to the glory of the kingdom, the glory of the king, the rule of the king uh, and not allow us to 
be as shaped by a society that's secular uh, as we probably are uh, right now. And I think what I'm encouraged by with, with you, my other friends in Hong Kong, is that it's this, uh, we must keep hold of the Jesus that changes and, and challenges society. You know, Jesus is Lord, uh, not our governments, not our kings and rulers, but Jesus is Lord. And that means the whole of our lives need transforming. When Jesus is Lord, it also means that we cannot only live by bread alone. Mm. And the high and mighty of this world is saying that when I feed you, I clothe you, then you just shut up. You give me your brain. No, we cannot because you are not our benefactors. You are just administrators. It is your duty to make well, make good the citizen's life, but you cannot claim their heart. You cannot claim their brain. Mm. And the church must wake up to this. Like you said, we live an easy life. Hong Kong has been trying to live an easy life, but now it comes to us that an easy life does not consist in bread alone. Mm. And the government, stupid as it may be, still tries to say, oh, it's the young people because they don't have, a, have good housing. They don't have a place to embrace their lovers. So we must help them to have better housing and then we can rule over them in whatever way we want. Mm. The young people are waking up to tell them that this is not true. Mm. And we Christians must be the first to tell the world that man does not live by bread alone. You must be free spiritually. You must be truly free to serve the Lord. I'm not speaking politically because I know even democracy can be enslaving. Mm. But comparing democracy to, uh, to authoritarianism, to tyranny, of course, me as a Christian, as a normal human being, would say, go for democracy in whatever way. But then you know some very devout and, uh, and Bible-teaching people, uh, a very devout Christian, retired, assistant commissioner challenged me for my pro-democracy stance and said, where in the Bible was democracy ever mentioned? I was saying to him, well, in the Bible was aeroplane ever mentioned? <laughs> you go back to your mule writing? Of course not. So anyway, yeah. uh, I'm saying that. Thank we, you so much we, for, for sharing the situation with us. I think uh, please know that we uh, will be praying and where we can speak up and speak out, we should and will. Um, so thank you for, for sharing that picture uh, with us. Um, would you mind just praying for us as we finish? Yes, of course. Okay. We can yeah. pray together. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Uh, Father in heaven, you're watching over us all. And in fact, it is your kingdom that lasts forever. It is a Christ, it is Christ's kingdom that is utmost important. And pray that you would humble our hearts and awaken our souls. And in our word and deed, that we may continue to cry with those who cry, suffer with those who suffer, and that we may honor you in all ways. Thank you for his concern and his friend's concern for us. And as I have shared from my own perspective, whatever 
is correct and right. May you continue to affirm those and to use them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And Lord, we pray for our brothers in Hong Kong. And Lord, we pray that they would remain steadfast to the gospel, steadfast to Jesus, the Jesus way. And Father, would they see the whole of their lives as a place that Jesus wants to shape and transform, not just their religious life, but the whole of their lives. Lord, we pray for you to watch over the church. And Lord, would the church have a fresh outpouring of your spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for spending uh, your time with us today. Grace and peace. Well, thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. God bless.